Hello and welcome to the Construction Corner Podcast. I'm Dylan, I'm your host. And on today's episode, we're going to talk a little more in depth about the next coming of age in construction. So on the last episode with Sean, we talked about kind of the the next coming of age in construction. Revit was kind of that first big shift. And even going back, AutoCAD could could be considered that big shift going from Mylar and you know hand drawings to AutoCAD and uh, digitization with Revit being kind of that next bump. And then really we're seeing the next big shift in construction and the design industry. In the construction side of things, we're seeing tons and tons of prefab, which Revit has allowed us to do in 3D modeling, to now come in with more partners, more of the subcontractors and everybody putting the physical building together to do more detailing and more of that pre-construction work to ultimately deliver a better product at the end of the day. So what we're seeing in that is we're seeing the ability to prefab like wall units, prefab maybe conduit sections or devices, tons of other things in the shop in a controlled environment and not out on the job site. Right, an environment that's easy to move material material around. You can control your own workflow, your own workspace, and your own shop on your own kind of pace. And then when you get to site in the kind of craziness that can be a construction site where different things are moving around, you don't have as much control over your workspace because you have to coordinate with many other companies and contractors and people that when you get to site, things are a lot easier to put together to have a great outcome that you're looking for. So what we're seeing in construction is, one, we're seeing a lot of that digitization, all that digital skill. Even with uh, Dan Weiss, we talked about that with his drywall company and his foreman's taking iPads out on the job site. We're seeing more and more of that digitization rather than you know, going around the job site with a big roll of of sheets or not having the most up-to-date sheet and building something incorrectly and having to redo it at your own expense because you didn't, you know, update the sheet or print it out, whatever it might be. Now we're having that digitization and everything can be built uh, quicker. Feedback loops are much better and you're not worried about, you know, having that updated piece because it should be updated, you know, via the the iPad and or plan grid or whatever you might be using to get your sheets, you know, in a digital form out on the job site. There's a lot of ways to use it. Blue Beam, Blue Beam Studio is another one that you can use to kind of update and keep track of sheets. Um, there's tons of software out there for that specific purpose. So we're seeing digitization in drawings we're seeing digitization in prefab and doing detailing in a digital model to make sure everything coordinates and works before anything gets built on the job site and then what we're starting to see and of course me here at Calbunga Studios is on the forefront of this in the automation of the design side of buildings so you you start with a building program right you design that out the architect and the owner dictates what needs to be built you know what they're looking for their needs and once all of that is then created 
they can then decide how big the building is, how large it's going to be, how many stories, like the whole program is going to be developed in that meeting with the architect and the owner. And then from there, once that is developed, even architecturally, you can use parameters and programmatic features, as Sean and I talked about, to develop that three-dimensional model of that building that might be dictating how big the rooms are, how wide the corridors are, what type of furniture goes into it, and putting all these parameters within the building to then design it out so that you can then have all of these different basically outcomes and it might be three or four different buildings that work for energy purposes, uh, wall construction, programmatically, you know, all the considerations that have to be made in designing a building, that all of those are made and done very well and easily. And now you, with computer modeling, you know, come out with four or five options and then the architect and owner choose kind of the best one for their purposes. And then from there, once all of that is built, then the engineers can come in and again, programmatically and systematically design, you know, lighting, power, HVAC, structure, everything like that can be, you know, systematically and programmatically designed. And that's really what we're doing here at Calvin Studios. We're starting with electrical engineering, as that is my specialty. You know, Dylan is, and I am a electrical engineer which means you know, all the years that I spent designing buildings have really paid off and allowed me to systematize you know, how fire alarm goes in, how lighting's designed, what, where outlets go, and what the load considerations look like. And that's what we're working on building here at Cowabunga Studios. Our first product, Surfboard, is really geared towards lighting, outlets, switches, kind of that basics, getting you 80% of the way through. And we're just getting started and what we're going to be capable of and what we're going to bring to the industry. And in having conversations across the industry to let you know what is out there, there are really three types of firms. I've worked in probably each one of these and there are firms that no matter what will always do things the hard way. You might be in one of those firms that are never going to buy anything. We're always just going to kind of pound our heads against the wall. It's hard to use any new innovations and you're just always going to do things the hard way. We're going to do things the way we always done them because they've worked and we're just going to keep plowing forward. And that'll work for a while until it won't. And, you know, Blockbuster still worked until Netflix really took off. So, I mean, there's all sorts of examples in history of, of those pieces and yeah, it, it'll still work. It might be good for you for a couple of years. You might be just close to retirement and waiting your time out. If you're younger and you still have 10, 20 years, that might not be a great place for you unless you're one of those people that just wants to keep doing things the way that they've always been done. So that's one, one type of firm. The next type of firm is someone that, a firm that sees the Outcomes, the ability to improve, see the things that coming that are coming and dedicate you know, resources to that development. They're going to dedicate people to be programmers, to be researchers, and you see a lot of the large firms doing this, right? They're, they've got a department, maybe three to five people. Uh, maybe they've got a few people just doing full-time research, R&D, whatever that might be. 
Now you think of a fully loaded salary of somebody like that, it's gonna be 100 to 150,000, could be more, 200,000 per person. You talk a team of three to five, you're really looking at you know 600,000 to a million dollars plus any equipment dollars that they need to do their research. So even one person, you know, you're talking 100 to 200,000 a year in you know, sunk costs. So, which there are some firms that are definitely able to do this. The big ones, the HOKs, the Genslers, the Jacobs, you know, they have those branches and arms that are doing a lot of that research and looking out to the future. But they're not, you know, ultimately sharing that technology. That's all for their own in-house development. So if you have a thousand, hundred grand to, to spend to a million a year, um, you know, this might be for you if you want to just go through that that capital and cash and, you know, spend whatever time it is developing what you want and then and as well as paying uh, for that personnel. So first type of firm, never going to do any development and just going to do things the hard way. Second type of firm is those that are going to spend the time, money, effort, energy to develop products. And then the third type of firm and this type of firm is somebody that sees the new technology, right? The, the things coming out is willing to invest in that new technology because they understand that it's going to be at a discount, right? It's going to be less than it would cost them to internally develop it. And then it's going to speed their time to market, right? They didn't have to waste six months, a year, in my case, for surfboard, three and a half, four years in development and you know, paying a salary of somebody for four years to not get anything. And then, you know, so you're, okay, let's say it's a hundred grand a year, 150 grand a year for just that person, no extra cost, whatever for four years. So you're looking at, you know, $600,000 over the course of that time period to ultimately get, you know, a thousand dollar product, right? That's or ten thousand dollars a year, a thousand bucks a month. So we're looking at you could spend six hundred thousand or spend ten thousand to you know end up at the same place in four years to ultimately get there. So like those are the the choices, and the firms that are going to be probably the best off economically is to adopt these new things as they come along. Yes, there's going to be some time investment for. The personnel within the firm say at 10 20 hours to vet out any new products so say you do five a year at 20 hours so it's 100 hours times 100 bucks an hour so you're at 10 grand in investment costs for that person that you're really just filling up their time so it's frankly not any additional cost to you because you're already paying them a salary and you're trying to just fill up their hours so but either way it's a ten thousand dollar you know, time investment to, you know, for products throughout the year, right? So 10 products, 10 hours, 10 grand. So that means you can invest 10 grand in personnel or 600 grand in personnel time to kind of ultimately get the same place. And more than likely by leveraging all these firms, right? So these firms are going to have, say each product has a team of 10 people on it at minimum so and you do 10 products so you're really leveraging that one person out to 100 people uh, every single year by trying this and you're going to spend let's say each of those products is 10 grand a year so you're spending 100 grand on product a year 
that will save you, you know, multiples of whatever you spent on the software. Let's just say it's 5x. So you're saving, you're spending 100 to get back 500, or you're spending 110 really to get back 500 because you have the 100 grand in software costs and product costs plus the $10,000 of time investment to get back 5x, which you put in for the software, so the product. So 100 goes to 500. So you're looking at, you know, a 400 or $390,000 return on your investment of, you know, 100 hours, which that's really incredible to to see that and then, you know, compound that over time. So these are the three types of firms that are out there. One, going to do things the hard way, continue to do things the hard way. Second firm, going to develop an in-house, do it themselves and not use the industry as a whole to improve kind of what they're doing. And then the third type of firm is going to vet and go after all these products, see what works for them, implement it in their firm quickly and really have that speed efficiency by leveraging technology that others are developing and spending years and years and years developing product so that they can you know, leverage that time efficiency and dollar efficiency and capital to move forward. So I hope this episode helped you to understand kind of the baseline of different costs, different structures, and really how that industry is going to evolve. So Sean and I talked about this, you know, software and technology is going to be huge moving forward. Dan and I talked about this on, you know, even for a, you know, drywall subcontractor is using, you know, massive amounts of technology to move forward. Sean is using it in architecture and designing buildings. And really, it's just going to keep coming. So you can either get on the bandwagon and try and vet this software out, find somebody in your firm to spend some time to leverage it and then go from there, right? Try, vet, see if it works, make a decision and then move forward and do that quickly. The faster you can move, the more these are going to benefit you and the quicker you're going to be able to go past your competition. So the longer you wait and then you finally make a decision that you would have made anyway, you just wasted six months of time trying to make that decision. So I hope this helps both internally and maybe externally in if you're looking for a firm to go to or in selling this, whatever it might be, internally to your own firm. So this is the Construction Corner Podcast. Again, I'm Dylan. I'm your host. And thank you for listening.